We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Rigger. It's a pleasure to have you along. Let's talk some more about the JMU-UVA game. We heard from Kurt Signetti, that football coach of the Dukes, this morning on the Sunbelt Zoom call. Let's talk now to Noah Fleischman from the Daily News Record. Hi. Well, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> um, I guess not with the DNR anymore. Hi, Noah. <laughs> Hey Dave, how are you? <laughs> I, I it was uh, it's habit, I guess. But uh, I guess let's start with that. You you Saturday was your last game, your last day. You've got some uh, some new news later this week, don't you? Yeah, I do. A new job opportunity came up. Couldn't really you know pass pass up. So new job in ACC school. More on that on Wednesday. But yeah, no Saturday was my last day. It was quite a last day of work. You know, talk I just talk about your time here because I know I know it was short, but but I know it was pretty sweet for you too. You got to obviously cover an outstanding football team a year ago, a great start to this season, meet a lot of good people. But uh, I know this was this was a great stepping stone for you, wasn't it? No, it was for sure. It's kind of you know going into it didn't you know know how long I was here, didn't know if it would be you know a year, two years, five years, but you know knew that it was going to set me up for the future, and it did. It didn't, you know without this, it, this other opportunity wouldn't have popped up. Um, so I think, you know, JMU moving up helped a little bit, helps, you know, get your name out there. There's always a thing of, you know, how it helps JMU's brand, but it also helps our brand in the media too, does, right, when you're yeah. covering a bigger program. So it was a win-win for everybody. And, you know, I wish, you know, sometimes I wish, you know, it's like I don't want to leave, but at the same time it's, it's one of those things that's hard to hard to say no when, when a bigger opportunity comes calling. No doubt about it. And uh, I know a lot of people around here are going to miss you, especially me. I will miss you probably the most of anybody, I think, so – I just appreciate everything that you've done, and again, we'll t- we'll talk more and we'll keep in touch, but uh, we won't get into too much sappy stuff. We'll talk about the football game this past Saturday, but I am d- I'm happy for you. I know you're excited about this opportunity, so this should be a lot of fun for you. I know. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. Obviously, I think you know missing the people is the, the, the toughest part, but maybe hey, Jamie, you might play this team in the future, <laughs> maybe in a bowl game or get them on the schedule. So you never know. Never know. We're talking to Noah Fleischman, talking some JMU football as again they rally to defeat UVA on Saturday, thirty-six to thirty-five. And I know we talked during the rain delay too, and we'll talk a little bit about the the early portion of that game. But man, what a what a finish! Uh, everything that that they needed to do to win that game, they did the last twelve minutes. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, no, it was really, really. You know, they played almost perfect football that last twelve minutes. Two drives, they needed touchdowns. They got them. They needed to make a stop. They got the stop. You know, as Kurt Signetti said after the game, he said he told him in the locker room, you need to score a touchdown, get a stop, score a touchdown, get a stop. And uh, as easy as he made it sound, they made it look that easy on the field. Two, two quick drives on offense and two quick drives on defense. They don't win that game without the, the delay, do they? No. I, I think the game is uh, it's, it's a loss. Um, you know, obviously, JMU, you know, had probably equal talent to what UVA had on the field, but UVA had all the momentum rolling at that time, going into the break. And, and Jamie was able to use that break and reset themselves, right? Calm down, get the emotions out of the game, as Chris Ignetti was said, going into the game. And I think they got caught up in them in a little bit. And they able, were able to use that to reset, come back out, almost treat it as, as you know, a new game for 12 minutes. And, and it ended up, you know, working out well. They started off that game, and I would talk about it, on that quick, you know, that long drive to start the game with the touchdown. Well, they come back out of the break and have an almost identical drive. And I think, you know, that uh, minus a trick play, but I think that, that helped them the most. They, they finally got the running game going, too. It was it was kind of tough sledding up until that point. They had 10 first downs when we were <laughs> had, the, had the weather delay. They had eight the last 12 minutes in their last two drives. So, again, that says a little bit about what they did. But give obviously give the, the, the players a lot of credit for executing on the field. 
But the coaches, I think they, they schemed them up pretty good. I think they, they went back to the drawing board as just like, okay, this might work, this might work. I know they're probably not going to give away what they did, but I'm guessing there were some pretty major changes in what they were doing. No, I think there was. You know, you look at the play calling, and sometimes it was, you know, kind of interesting three and out and some, some interesting play calls coming out. But they, uh, you know, made it simple a little bit, but also used Tyson Lawton a lot in that, that last 12 minutes, and he really had his coming out party for James you and showing his impact, you know. A couple big drives, a touchdown there, a couple big carries. And when the running game got going, it really got going from him. Kalen Black didn't have his best game. You know, it was more of the power back that, you know, we were able to break tackles and get to the next the next level. You know, LaShawn Palmer had success with that. But I think, you know, Tyson Lawton's a good mix between the two of them, and he showed. Yeah, no doubt. We're talking to Noah Fleischman, talking some JMU footballs. Again, we're talking about the win over UVA on Saturday, 36-35. to 35. And, you know, talk a little bit about what, what you what you feel like this means for James Madison because I know that the, the, the coaches aren't going to talk a lot about it. I know it's, it's going to be huge for recruiting. They've got this in their back pocket for as long as they want until they play again probably, which who knows when that'll be. Um, but this is a big deal for them to be the, one of the, the flagship schools in the Commonwealth. I know they downplay that a little bit, but this is a major thing in recruiting and moving forward, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, you talk about, you know, they've landed some big-time recruits this recruiting cycle. You know, Jaja Boyd, a four-star, and, you know, three couple of three-star, highly-rated three-star guys that had, you know, multiple offers, including Virginia, had offered a couple of the guys they already had taken. I think now you, you can kind of – they can put themselves in the boat of they want to recruit at that high level, and they have, you know, in the past. But now this, I think, opens up a bigger pool of recruits that will really take them seriously, especially the ones in the state of Virginia. I mean, outside of the state, it's not that – as big of a win as people may think, you know, when you look at it on paper, but inside the state, it is definitely probably, it's a really big win for them. And if you're going into Richmond or, or if you're going into, you know, Virginia beach and you, that kid is really weighing Virginia or JMU, well, the coaching staff can show them like, Hey, we beat them last year or whatever, whenever they want to sit down. So I think it's big recruiting wise in the state and, you know, JMU wants to win the state recruiting battles. And this, I think helps out a big time. And, you think that those guys that were on recruiting visits yesterday in Charlottesville or, or two days ago in Charlottesville, I, I think I'd imagine, Jamie, you found that list and uh, started reaching out to them. <laughs> yeah, you, you always wonder about that when you bring kids on a recruiting trip and that they see, especially if it's an in-state school and, and that team loses, it's just like, hmm. Huh. What, what, what about that team, or what? Yeah, who who knows what goes to the minds of, of young kids? And again, they, they were probably enamored with, with some of the – the facilities and things like that. So who knows again, but uh, th- this certainly does not hurt them in the recruiting battles that they'll have with UVA and others. But we're talking to Noah Fleischman about the jam you went over UVA on Saturday. And, you know, Jordan McLeod is, is a guy that I know didn't win the starting job, came in, on, in in week one and played well. He started off really well in the game on, on Saturday, then struggled for a while, and they really the entire offense did. It was a bunch of three and outs or a four and out when they tried for the fourth down. And then he showed a little bit of toughness, too. And, and that's something that you, you can't always measure what, what they've got inside. But I thought it was pretty impressive by him to come back down the stretch and really make some key throws there in that fourth quarter. Yeah, he did. I mean, you talked about he started hot, you know, lead that, that first quick drive. And, and, yeah, he started struggling. I mean, the whole offense, as you said, did. But, you know, he at one point took a pretty big shot trying to scramble. And it took him a second to get up off the ground. And you know, it was one of those things like, oh, you want to keep an eye on it. But he didn't really show that hurting him the rest of the way. He you know, for one play, was kind of walking gingerly, trying to shake it off. He shook it off, and <laughs> heck, you look really good the rest of the way. I mean, yes, there were some some throws that's like, mm, maybe put a little bit more zip on the ball because some of these corners are going to see, you know, especially this week at Troy, 
you know, we're going to jump some of these routes. I mean, he almost had one picked off over the middle. A linebacker just, you know, jumped up and tipped it up in the air and it fell incomplete. So that's kind of the things that you might want to take away from it. Like a negative is some of the bullets need a little bit more behind it. Other than that, he made the right throws um, when he needed to and, and, you know, led them down the field. He was a good game manager. And I think that's kind of what Jamie needs out of a quarterback this year. They don't need a quarterback to go out there and throw for 377 like Anthony Calandria did. You can get a manageable game out of them and just don't turn the ball over. He didn't do that either. And I think it's a win-win, you know, for JMU. And, and with the offense, give the, the offensive line a lot of credit. They only allowed one sack to a pretty good defensive line that averaged over three sacks per game a year ago. And, they again, it took a little while to get going with the run game. They weren't great for a while, but when they needed to, they, they, they were able to, to really get some holes and pop some runs in that fourth quarter. I give them a lot of credit because that was a matchup to, to look and listen for in that game with the strength of, of UVA being that defensive line, all those guys back on the offensive line for James Madison. And I'll tell you what, they did a heck of a job on Saturday. They did. They gave Jordan McLeod a long time to throw the ball. Almost every passing down, I'm like, dang, he can like order a pizza back there. Yeah. Like he's sitting there for a while, like you know, looking down the field. And sometimes there weren't guys open. He just had to throw it away or make it something with his legs. Um, he did take the fault for the one sack. He kind of said, you know, it's his fault. He should have, you know, thrown the ball away and gotten out of it. But you know, he really was grateful for the offensive line who really, really rose to the challenge. That was the only spot on the field where you can look at these two teams and say that's a strength versus strength because other every other spot on the field was. Strength versus weakness going either way, and it really was kind of you know one of those things. Um, but this was the, the only part of the field that we saw strength for strength, and then JMU won that battle. Um, I think if you told Kurt Signetti he'll give up one sack to this defensive line, I think he would have taken it. I think he's pretty happy with the performance. Okay, we're talking with Noah Fleischman, talking about the JMU win over UVA on Saturday, and then the defensive line for James Madison. They came up big when it mattered most. I know that they gave up some chunk plays. Obviously, a lot of it was in the in the passing game. They held them to 18 rushing yards, and again, they had four sacks, which go into that. But even when they handed the football off, man, Hollins had two touchdowns, but only had 28 yards on 12 carries. Jones had – he had the long one called back, so they got a little lucky there, but there was a hold. He had 11 yards on 10 carries, six yards for nine – six carries for nine yards for Kobe Pace. So their top three backs in that game had 28 carries, and they only had, what, 36 yards. So, I mean, that's that, that says a lot about this defense and what they can do against the run and what, what they did last year against the run – I, th- I thought that was impressive, too. I know there were the, the defense struggled with some chunk plays given up, but their run defense and getting after the quarterback was pretty impressive. No, it was. I mean, we saw this against Bucknell in the second half. They only gave up, what, four offensive yards total in the second half. It's like, all right, this defense is getting back around. I mean, you know, they, they really stopped the run against Virginia, and that's what they hung their hat on a year ago, right? I don't think it took them, what, four games to allow a combined 100 rushing yards right. last year, which is, you know, unheard of in college football, just because of how well these running backs can run, especially these power five backs. Um, but you, you give up, what, half a yard of carry to, to a good yeah. UVA running back room. I think you'll take that 10 days out of the week. They did score three touchdowns on the ground, but that was just because they used the air to get inside the five and then just punch it in from there. So that was the only thing you kind of look at at the running back room. They got three touchdowns, but the D-line basically did its job outside of the you know, inside the five. Now, are there concerns with you? Again, you won't be covering the team, but but you, you still you'll have you have a vested interest in this. Now, they gave up a bit, bunch of chunk plays in the passing game. Three passes over sixty yards. Obviously, that's way too many. Talk a little bit about that. Do you feel like that's a concern moving forward with the secondary and, and giving up those big plays? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I mean, you look at a year ago. I think I told Chris Brooks in the press box. I'm like, this feels a lot like Georgia Southern yeah. a year ago. Stop the run. They abandoned the run and just threw it all over you. And that's exactly what Georgia Southern did a year ago, and that's exactly what Virginia did 
on Saturday. When they realized the run wasn't working, they just basically stopped running the ball. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Anthony Flanger is a freshman quarterback. Yes, he's at a Power 5 school, but his offers are comparable to what Alonzo Barnett had coming out of high school. Right. So it's not like this is a five-star recruit, top 100 kind of guy that's lighting up the de- the defense. So that's the question mark, right, is, is the second guy. I mean, they did not have the best showing. Kurt Signetti kind of called them out a little bit after the game, saying he wants to see some – you know, some more leadership from, from the veterans on the defense. And if you look at who's on the defense, most of the veterans live in the secondary. And so I think that's going to be the biggest thing that you look forward to this week at Troy because it's not going to get any easier. Gunnar Watson's one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. And if Troy's looking at the film, saying, oh, can't run the ball while they're licking their chops, bam, but throw it. The one thing I thought UVA did a good job of getting some matchups in their favor with their running backs on linebackers. And as good as the, the, the Jamie linebackers are, that's a tough matchup to cover a running back out of the backfield. One, I mean, they had a 63-yarder to or a 75-yarder to Kobe Pace, a 60-yarder to, to Paris Jones. Those guys both out of the backfield getting matchups with linebackers. I thought UVA did a pretty good job of scheming that up a little bit to, to kind of attack the defense. They did. They did for sure, and I think that that's what other teams going to look at doing now. But, you know, right. Jamie, you did the same thing on the game-winning touchdown. Cleared out for sure. the linebacker with two slams coming on the inside and have a wheel wrap to Kalon Black. So <laughs> they just took it right out of the playbook of UVA, I guess you want to say. It, it was a 10-yard ten yard touchdown. That's all they needed, though. But, yeah, I think, you know, as good as Jamie's linebackers are, they, it's hard for them to keep up with, like, you know, a running back that's a lot lighter than them that can, that can really move down the field. Um, but I think they'll clean it up. I think, you know, the biggest question mark leaving that game is, you know, what is Jalen Walker's health? He was in a sling right. for most of the second half, so I think that's kind of where you're looking at now. But A.D. Fisher played really well as a linebacker when he was in there. Do you know any more about Jalen and what how, how long that could be? I have no idea. It would be all speculation. But he looked to be in good spirits in the locker room after the game, just on the videos Jamie put out. So it would be interesting to see what the diagnosis is. But in a sling, is not always a good thing. And no. he left on that play, you know, it's – Jamie fans remember, Paris Jones fumbles the ball. It's not a fumble on the field. They score on a touchdown the next play. That's the play he got hurt on. So, uh, yeah. You know, is there concern now with, with – we already talked about lack of depth up front, and obviously Jamery Cromont played a heck of a football game. They moved him outside. They moved James Carpenter outside a little bit. Um, some of their young defensive ends aren't quite ready yet, so they don't have a ton of de- depth. They've got about kind of six guys. Maybe they're rotating right now between the four spots. That's uh, that is a concern I know, but how about linebacker now? Because we obviously know about Torres Jones and, and Jalen Walker, but both of those guys have been in and out of the lineup, just getting dinged up these first couple of weeks. And then Jalen was out obviously for an extended period of time when in the sling, as you talked about. Aiden is really good. Trent Hendrick did make a start last year at Louisville, and, and he's very good as a, as a sophomore. But again, now lack of depth at linebacker is that a concern now too a little bit? I think if it comes a concern, if you see what this injury with Jalen Walker is, if it's something that's minor, I don't think it's too big of a worry yet. If it's something that's going to cause him to miss a few weeks, then it becomes a concern because, you know, Aiden Fisher can play. I'm not, not saying that he, he can. can't play. He's good. <laughs> but he's a great guy that you like to have that third linebacker on the field and have him coming in and, and playing that role. Having him start, I think he'd be able to do it. I mean, Trent Hendrick did it a year ago at Louisville, as you said. So I think Aiden Fisher would be all right to do it. Uh, but you really just become worrisome if, if you know, someone else picks up a ding, then you're then you're trouble. Then you're in trouble. We're talking to Noah Fleischman about the JMU victory over UVA this past weekend and 
You know, moving forward now, it's we talked about this stretch in the, in, in the offseason, and, and Coach Signetti has made no bones about it. This is the stretch that's going to kind of define their season. Do you feel like they can handle this with here early in the year? I know this is a, a monster win, but now, again, go to Troy, go to Utah State, get South Alabama at home. This is just the beginning of it. Obviously, it's a great start to it, but this is going to be a major challenge. Yeah, it is. I think it's one of those things where you, get, you start off this stretch with a win, which is a good win against Virginia, but I think when you look at these next three games, Virginia's probably toward the bottom of the how good they are scale if you want to measure the four teams. So Detroit and South Alabama are much better football teams than Virginia. Um, just how they play as a team. Yes, Virginia has talent, but these teams, they know how to play football, especially South Al, who didn't have the best of showing against Tulane, but they're still a very, very good Sunbelt Conference team. So it'll be interesting. And obviously these games mean a little bit more now once you get the conference play with Troy and South Al. Yes, they're on the opposite, opposite division, but if you can pick up two wins there, if you set yourself up really well in Eastern, you know, division play, just like they did a year ago when they when they played Arkansas State and Texas State, you know, earlier in the year and came out quickly two and zero in conference play. I was going to ask you because I, I mentioned their fourth down play earlier, and go, Co- Coach Signetti going for it from what their own twenty seven or twenty eight, whatever it was, and it was it wasn't just a fourth and in inches; it was a fourth and two when they went for it, and obviously didn't get it. UVA came down and scored to to take a, a two score lead. Were you surprised by that call? Yeah, I was definitely surprised. <laughs> I think that's, you know, probably the most uh, mind-boggling call Kurt Chignetti's called in all two years that I've been here. And I think that he owned it after the fact. You know, somebody asked him in the press conference afterward, and he said, yeah, it's probably a poor coaching decision on my part. But I think he can laugh about it now since it didn't really affect them. It did give up a touchdown after that. So it hurt them in the moment, but, you know, they came out the win. It's also mind-boggling. He does that, but then later on they have fourth and one from the UVA 37, right. take a delay of game and punt. So if you're going to go for it on your own 27, I think you got to be consistent and go for it from the plus 37. And they had some issues again. That they had the two red zone fourth downs in, in week one that they didn't get, and those were just those weren't fourth and ones either. Those were longer. They didn't kick the the football. So he's gone for it on fourth down quite a bit here early in the season. I've been surprised by that, and they haven't got one, so we may not see him go for it again. Yeah, I think, you know, especially in Troy, if, if they have fourth down and one, I think if you're in 10 to five, you're going for it. Outside of that, it depends on the, the game and how the game's going. Sometimes I think we might see them settle for the points, which in my, my opinion is always take the points. Yeah. You never know when you can get back down there. Yes, you're confident in your team, but same point. you got an opportunity to take the three, you take the three. And were you even surprised by, especially the last 12 minutes, of just how many JMU fans stuck around, how loud it was when the Dukes did something impressive? It was just, I, I think they were a big part of that that last 12 minutes as well. It just, they were louder than the UVA fans and they, they stuck out and a lot of them probably live in Charlottesville and went home. So they, they didn't want to stick it out. But I was very impressed by by the showing, the, especially the last 12 minutes. Yeah, they were. That was the biggest difference I think in the game. All everyone, everyone after the game talks about that. You know, that helped motivate them a little bit coming out and saying like, okay, all these people stayed through rain and lightning and pouring rain. It wasn't even a light rain; it was pouring, and all these people stuck it out. And I think it helped. I mean, James Carpenter said they walk out there and just see a sea of purple, and they're like, wait, where are we again? And yeah, they go out there and do their thing and make it sound like Bridgeforth, you know. And in those last two, three drives, I think was really crucial and, and helped. I mean, heck, pretty sure at one point. The JMU, you know, band and student section all on that end, you know, forced a, a UVA false start. And you don't really see right. opposing teams force a false start at, uh, you know, on the road. 
You mentioned James Carpenter. Um, he might have made himself some money this past week, and I know their offensive line isn't very good, but it's an ACC school, and, and he still was pretty dominant, especially late in the game. That last drive, he, he knocked the pass down. He was right there to force a bad throw, get a hold as well. Um, it's it's pretty amazing what he does and, and where he came from. We've talked about the story. You, you've we, I mean, we both talked to him. You've written about it. It's pretty amazing what he does on an every, day, every down basis. It is. I mean, this is a guy who's a walk-on offensive lineman, undersized, convert him to, to defensive lineman, and he, he makes his impact felt really quickly. And, you know, he had the, probably the biggest play of the game, swatting down that pass on third down, making it fourth and long, but uh-huh. he almost had the first down, he just overthrew him. But, yeah, I think, you know, he played really well, had, I think, a sack as well um, in the game. And, and he talked about afterwards he grew up going to UVA games, so it's a little bit different for him to be on that side of, you know, that side of Scott Stadium, and then he was happy to come out the win. Charlottesville. All right, I know you won't be heading down to Troy, Alabama, as we talked to Noah Fleischman, but I know you've you've been you you had this one circled for a while. This is what could have been the the championship a year ago. Troy does go on to win the championship. They they had won twelve consecutive games for falling to Kansas State this past weekend, and heck, it was a it was an eleven point game at halftime against the fifteenth ranked team in the country. This will be a major challenge this weekend. Conference play starts. This will this should be a lot of fun down down in Troy. Yeah, it'll be a it'll be a great environment, I think, for JMU to walk into. Obviously, they they played in a very hostile environment in the first half against Virginia, so it won't be anything new for them to walk into that, which I think is a good thing, right? Especially with conference play on the line now, and and Troy's good. They did lose a good number of players from a year ago. They do they are the you know favorite coming into the into the year in the West, but I think South Alabama's my favorite. And I'll go on the record saying South Alabama is going to play in the championship game. But uh, yeah, this will be a really good game and, and really tall test. For JMU, looks a lot different than a year ago. You can't really say this is a de facto championship game because neither team looks that much similar to what did a year ago. Troy, I say, returned a lot more than JMU did on offense, but still, I think it's going to be a really good test, and we'll, we'll see what happens. One thing they've done is run the football pretty well the first couple of games. Kamani Vidal, their, their running back, is averaging 165 yards per game. He had over 200 against Stephen F. Austin, so that, that certainly is part of it. But had 83 against K-State this past week. You mentioned Gunnar Watson, but um, this will be a pretty veteran offense that they're going against. Defensively, they're a little bit different. Again, they, they, they lost to Sunbelt Player of the Year, so they're a little different defensively. They've given up some points, but um, this is an offense that's pretty veteran, too. It's, it's not like what they saw this past week. Yeah, it is. I mean, Kamani Vidal, you know, Jamie Haynes is had on the run defense. Well, this is going to be a really big test. Yes. The guy who ran for almost 250 yards against Stephen F. Austin. So I think it'll be a big test. You know, Gunnar Watson can sling it as well. So if Jamie makes them one dimensional, you kind of like your chances. But Jamie's going to have to clean up his pass defense a little bit going into Troy if they want to really come out, you know, as that dominant defense. Should be fun. Again, it's at Troy on Saturday. It's on NFL Network. We'll have it on the JMU Radio Network. 7 o'clock Eastern is that start time. 6 o'clock Central in Troy, Alabama. As those two teams will meet um, for the first time as Sunbelt members. Last time they met was back in 1999. It's been a long time since they I wasn't born yet, by the way. <laughs> you always have to bring that up, don't you? A lot of the guys in the field weren't for No, yet, they weren't. Actually, so, so actually uh, yeah, maybe a couple. Not many, though. Yeah, you're right. That 94 in Harrisburg, 99 in Troy. Let's hope it goes better than the meeting in 99 when the uh, Trojans won that game 27-7. to All right, my man, again, I appreciate everything the last uh, year and a half or so since you've been in Harrisonburg and covering the Dukes. It's been awesome to get to know you even more. But we'll stay in touch. And everybody, stay tuned Wednesday, the big release on where Noah is headed. But uh, happy for you, my man. I appreciate you as always. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on, Dave.